Welcome, everybody, once again. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us. If you're, if you're uh, visiting with us this morning, my name's Tim. I'm the pastor here at CF, and I just very much thank you for being here. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John 15, John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in a seat back around you. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible that's around you and keep it. That is our gift to you. Please feel free to take that. We love giving Bibles away. And if you are using a seat back Bible, you're looking for page 901. 901 is where you're going to find John 15. Um, as we get going here this morning, I'd like to thank a couple of people. So uh, this weekend, as many of you saw, um, Roscoe is blocked off because this weekend is Retro on Roscoe. It is a big street fest that we have here uh, every year in our neighborhood. And we had people, we had a, a group of nine of us serving yesterday, uh, volunteering to help uh, take care of one of the gates, one of the entrance gates. Um, so I'd just like to thank everybody who served. So uh, Chris, Lauren, uh, Christine, Sarah, Amy. Uh, Peter, Emily, who am I missing? Gregory. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you everybody for serving. Thank you. Yeah, very much. And what's really great is that not only uh, did it give us a chance to interact with a lot of people uh, as they came in to the fest and, and we are all rocking uh, CF buttons. Um, and not only did we get to shake a lot of hands, meet a lot of people, but also because we took care of a gate for the day, uh, the Roscoe Village Neighbors, the association that put on the fest, uh, is going to make a donation of $450 to the church um, for us serving, right? Like, that's fantastic. So amen and amen. Um, yeah. So thank you guys very much for helping out. If you didn't get a chance to go Friday or Saturday, the fest is still happening today. I think they're kicking off about noon. Um, so you go and check it out. Go and uh, enjoy. It's a really good day. Um, I'd also like to thank this morning, um, I know this is a bummer, especially for the students in the house, but uh, summer is almost over here in a little bit, and uh, which means that today is actually the final day. Um, most of you who have been around know that for the summer we've had a pastoral intern working with us. Uh, Wade Henderson um, has been serving throughout the summer uh, to help in just a variety of different ways. He stepped up a lot when I was gone, uh, while I was um, gone and spending time with my newborn, and uh, just in general, just being around and helping, helping me to work through sermon prep, helping uh, to just do everything and anything around here. So uh, today is his final day as our intern. Um, that doesn't mean he's going anywhere because um, I won't let him leave. Um, but uh, Wade, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for everything you did this summer. We very much appreciate it. Appreciate you. So, all right, uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in uh, and finish up our Fruit of the Spirit series. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, you are good all the time, Lord. Uh, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for being the one that we can run to, uh, the one that we can run to and hide and be safe in. God, we thank you that you are the God who allows us to rest in your presence, who invites us to just be with you, to just spend time with you. As the psalmist said, that you invite us to be still and know you are God. And so, God, this morning as we open up your word as as you have a message for us today, Lord, help us to find that rest and peace that you offer to us. As I preach this morning, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all of this because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So today, as I said, we're going to finish up our series we've been in throughout the summer, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, Paul gives us a couple of options on how to live. He says in Galatians 5 that you can live by the flesh indulging every whim, every desire that you might have, every impulse you might have. But if you do that, these decisions will end up leaving you empty and broken. 
And then he says, or you can live by the law. You can try and earn your way to God. You can try and impress him with your good deeds. You can try and work your way into heaven. But again, this leaves us stuck and corrupted in our own false self-righteousness. And he gives us a third option in Galatians 5. And he says, you can live by the Spirit. You can let the Holy Spirit, you can let God himself lead you, guide you, protect you. He says, when that happens, if you choose to walk that way, you will see the Holy Spirit in your life cultivating in you what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's something that he is always doing. Though some fruits may be more evident and some may make may take a little bit longer to grow, the key is that if you are walking with God, he is cultivating in you the fruit of the Spirit. And so we see in John 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus is teaching here and he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we have spent the summer looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And as we've done that, we have continuously come back to this realization that these things, love, joy, peace, patience, this whole list, find their beginning, their very essence in God. And though we can pursue cheap facsimiles, cheap versions of them without him, it is only when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives that we will be able to see these attributes in us. Because these things find their beginning in God. So to walk with him, to be led by the Spirit, is vital to see these things grow in us. And so that's what Jesus means here when he talks about being the vine and the branches. When he says a branch cannot bear fruit unless it is connected to the vine. He says we are the branches. He is the vine. If we are not pursuing a relationship with Christ daily, we aren't connected to the vine. If I go outside right now and I grab a branch off the ground, that branch is not going to grow any kind of flowers, any kind of leaves, because it's not connected to anything. It's dead. It has no life force in it. And so we shouldn't be shocked When we do a self-evaluation, when we look at this list of the fruit of the Spirit, we say, you know what, I'm not really growing in these things. We shouldn't be shocked if you're not growing in these things because you're not connected to the Holy Spirit, because you're not connected to what Jesus is doing. We shouldn't be shocked when we don't see the fruit of the Spirit thriving in us, because Jesus said, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to know how to see these things grow in you? Abide in Jesus. For those of you who have been around CF at all this year, you know this word abide. We hit it hard over and over again in 1 John. Dwell with, stay with, focus on, do not leave Jesus. Be in the word, be in prayer, be in regular communication with him. And we will see the fruit of the Spirit grow in us. When we are doing that, we will love those it is hard to love. We will have joy in the midst of sorrow, patience with God's timing, kindness and goodness to those we interact with, faithfulness in our relationships, 
and gentleness to restrain ourselves for the benefit of others. Which brings us to the final attribute in this list, this morning's topic, self-control. Today we look at the attribute that everybody needs, but nobody wants to talk about. And so we're going to see this morning what it is and why we so desperately need self-control and how we can see it grow in our lives. So what is self-control? This word self-control, if you have an older translation of the Bible, also translated temperance. Basically self-restraint. And so literally, I think it's interesting that self-control is one of those hyphenated words. In English, it's this with the hyphen in there, it presents this battle to us. It's a battle between the self and controlling the self. And because of that, that means there is something in us, there is something about the self that needs to be controlled. There is something about the impulses and desires in our hearts that needs to be reined in. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A lack of self-control in our lives will leave us living a life with no direction, no protection, and no hope. Self-control is the need and ability to keep the desires and impulses within us in check. So why do we need self-control? Why do we need to keep things in check within us? I'm going to give you two reasons this morning. The first is that we are made to worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you do, worship God in what you are doing, is what he says. In Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon tells us that God has put eternity into man's heart. God has put eternity into man's heart. There is a part of you, regardless of whether or not you are a Christian, regardless of whether or not you grew up in church, just by being a person, just by being created by God, there is a part of you, there is something in you that longs for something better, longs for something greater, longs to give glory and honor and praise and value to something beyond ourselves. That is in each and every one of us. You and I were created with this desire to worship in our hearts. And originally, that desire in us, that desire to worship was meant to be aimed at God. It was meant to be aimed at Him. He is supposed to be the object of our worship. So what does that have to do with our need for self-control? Well, I said there was two reasons we need self-control. One is we have this in us, this thing where we need to worship. We are made to worship. But the second reason is sin. Sin is rebellion against God. Literally, that word translated means missing the mark missing the goal. The goal is the perfect holiness of God. And every time we choose things that are in contrast to who God is, that's sin. We sin. We choose things intentionally that we know are in opposition to God, and yet we choose them anyway because we think we know better. But also we choose things sometimes unintentionally. There are times, right, times and moments when it's something, it's not necessarily something that we do that we shouldn't do, but rather, we don't do the thing we're supposed to do. We fail to act in a way that glorifies God. That is sin as well. And that is our default out-of-the-box wiring. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That is our default wiring. We are tied from the womb to Adam and Eve in their original sin. We are by nature sinners deserving of hell. And we are oftentimes, by choice, sinners deserving of hell. And so we are made to worship. We are made to take something and hold it up as good and glorious and give it honor and praise. And at the same time, we have sin in us. And this battle, this combination can be lethal. Because it is this combination that makes it so that we need to have the Holy Spirit develop in us self-control. Or else we will abuse anything and everything we interact with. We'll take something good, like food, and we make it the most important thing in our life. The acquisition and consumption of it. We begin to worship food with our lives. Constantly eating, constantly longing after food. Gluttonous overconsumption. And all of a sudden, something good like food takes on a sinful place in our lives and becomes the new God of our lives in a very real way. We begin to worship it. We take alcohol. Consumed in moderation is fine. God gave us the grapes. He gave us the wheat. He gave us the barley and the hops. But we overindulge. We let it consume us and take over our minds and allow drunkenness to reign. When can I get more? How can I spend as much money as I can? What else can I use to get drunk with? What can I use to get that feeling back? Alcohol becomes the new God of our lives, the one that we live for and worship with every decision and every dollar that we have. God gave us sex. He gave us sexual desires. But he also gave us clear instruction that sex is reserved for a husband and wife in marriage. Hebrews 13 says marriage is to be honored. Do not defile the marriage bed is what it says. God holds marriage in high, high regard because marriage ultimately is another thing that points the world back to him. The way that a marriage is supposed to work, the way that they are supposed to love each other is supposed to point us back to the way God loves his church. And so God holds marriage in a high regard. And so when it comes to sexual purity, Anything outside of a husband and wife in marriage, that is sin. And yet we give our desires free reign. We let it dictate how we spend our time. We let it isolate us from community. We let it dictate whether or not we're going to be honest and real or hide in the shadows. See, this combination of being made to worship and having sin in us That's the reason why the pornography industry is a multi-billion with a B dollar a year industry. Because there is something in us that wants to worship. And then we take something that God originally intended to be good, like sex, and we make it the God of our life. We take this thing that is good that God gave us and we make it the most important thing in us, even though we know it's rebellious against God. Even though we know that he is the one who made all things, that holds all things together, we do whatever we want to pursue that desire, to fulfill that longing in us to worship. And it's not just food or drink or sex. Anytime we take anything and make it the most important thing in our life, we give it the place of honor in our life, in our hearts and minds and souls, 
That's idolatry. When we devote our time and money and energy and emotions and everything that we have to this thing, you have made yourself a shiny new idol. Your job, your bank account, your relationship, your children, your hobby. You take something good and you make it your God. And all of a sudden, that good thing is now a bad thing. It is now an idol in your life. This isn't a new development. This isn't a new thing in 2017. This is a regular and reoccurring theme throughout history. Do you think that when God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, do you think it just is by happenstance that the first one is, don't have any other gods besides me? Do you think he just happened to randomly pick that one? No. Historically, we've seen that there's always been this issue for us as humans. There's been this constant battle in us, this tension and need self-control. But even in pursuing self-control, we can see issues abound in that as well. Because oftentimes we try and pursue self-control on our own. So throughout this series, if you've been here at all, we have regularly said that these things, the fruit of the Spirit, are a work of the Holy Spirit. They emanate. They begin with God. And we cannot properly see them in our lives without first knowing God as his child without first confessing our sins and accepting the gift of grace we are offered by Jesus through his death on the cross. It is only after we place our faith in Jesus in Christ for our salvation that our forgiveness, our hope that we receive from the Holy Spirit can happen. It's once that relationship with God changes that we see the Holy Spirit growing in us, this fruit of the Spirit. And it's only once we know and experience the love of God that we can show it to others. Right, And we can walk down the whole list. We can walk down the whole list of the fruit of the Spirit and say it's only after we have experienced it from God that we can possibly try and replicate it to others. We can't experience or show love to others until we experience it from God. We can't truly trust. Once we truly trust in God, we can find peace in any situation. The relationship with God is the key to seeing your fruit grow. But you can be a non-Christian and have self-control. But I'll tell you right now, that self-control is flawed and weak. Because ultimately, if you're trying to show self-control, if you're trying to have self-control without first having Christ in your life, really what you are doing is you are trying to control yourself based on the discipline of yourself. That doesn't make any sense. And so when you are tired and beaten and overwhelmed by the world and overwhelmed by a crafty and cunning Satan who is trying to destroy you, if you have only to rely on yourself, you will fail. But let's say you do succeed. Let's say there's a temptation right in front of you and you make a fist and you white knuckle it and you say, I can beat that. And you say no to that temptation. Your personal grit gets you through that moment. All that happens then is that you give yourself the glory. You convince yourself that you have your own strength and you are really impressive and now you have made yourself into your own savior. And if you try to live in that world, you will fail. There's got to be something better. There's got to be something more. Self-control is being cultivated in you if you are a Christian by the Holy Spirit. But what do we know about fruit? It's not meant to just hang on the tree. It's not meant to be just put on a shelf and be displayed. It's meant to be used. It's meant to be consumed. So the Holy Spirit is doing the work in us, cultivating 
in us self-control, but it is on us to act on that. God gave the Israelites the land of Canaan. He said, this is yours. I have set this aside for you. But when Joshua brought them there, and they crossed that border, they still had to go to war. They still had to actually go into the land. They still had to actually defeat those false, uh, those other nations who were already living there. They had to actually take that step. The self-control is in you, Christian. You have to be willing to act on it and ultimately find the strength and trust, find the strength to trust in something better than yourself, namely in Jesus. Because it's only when we choose to focus ourselves on the beauty and power of Christ, the joy and grace of the gospel, the love and mercy of the Father, at that point we will see us choose self-control. When we choose to dwell in and dwell on the presence of God, dwell on the everlasting joy and majesty that awaits those who are accepted as his children, Dwell in the everlasting joy and majesty that awaits those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The amazing hope that is waiting for you. Dwelling on the reality that reminds us that God is better than anything and everything this world has to offer. And so the battle within us for self-control is no longer about trying to control our impulses or our lustful desires, but rather we remind ourselves that whatever it is that we are longing for, whatever it is in that moment that seems like the best thing possible, Jesus is better. Christ is greater. Whatever that thing is is not as great as having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Self-control means looking beyond the desire to fill your stomach with earthly food but rather to fill up on and be nourished by the bread of life. It means realizing that alcohol is a fleeting and destructive God that will never quench your true thirst like Jesus the living water can. It means understanding that the fake, temporary, fleeting experience and false intimacy that comes with sexual immorality is nothing in comparison to that day when we as a church come together as the bride of Christ to welcome and celebrate the deep and real love that God has for us. That's really what the gospel is all about. The gospel says Jesus is better. That sin, though it has entered the world, and it can appear impressive, and it can, it can tempt us and lure us and offer us temporary relief, offer us temporary gratification, it will leave you lonely and broken. And yet God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And when he rose again three days later, he proved not only his power over sin and death, and hell, and the grave, but also that he is what he is offering lasts, that nothing can defeat it. It is real and deep and has lasting and glorious results. What the gospel offers for us is not only for eternity, it's not only for later, but it's here and now, and it supersedes anything else this world has to offer. The gospel declares that the part of you that was made to worship, that part of you that longs for something greater, something deeper, something more, is longing for a relationship with God, longing to be in a relationship with the one who made you and knows you and loves you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you as well. He wants to see you empowered to be a person who is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You are the source and object and energy that your self-control depends on. You will fail eventually. But when your self-control is cultivated by the Holy Spirit and finds its source in the holiness and awesomeness of God, your self-control is not about how great you are. It's not about how good or impressive you are. It's about how great and perfect God is. When it is based on God, then you will see much fruit in your life. And the way you live will become another opportunity to do what you are made to do. Worship and give glory and honor to the God who made you, knows you, and loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for another day to worship you, to celebrate you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, help us as we go from here to be people marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for these things that you are working in our lives. Help us to be more aware of them. Help us to take action, to not let this fruit that you are growing in us just sit idly by, but help us to be people who love, people who show patience and kindness, people who have self-control. And God, as we do these things, as we do these things and interact with those in our lives who don't know you, let our actions, let us walking through and walking out the fruit of the Spirit, let that point people back to you. God, let it, let it be the thing that points people, that has people ask questions and come to know you. God, we pray for the people right now in our lives that we know who have that longing, who have that that wandering, that desire in them that they are trying to fill with anything and everything other than you. Lord, let them find their satisfaction, their rest in you. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, to give us a new life as your sons and daughters, and to empower us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to be mindful of that reality as we go into the world. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen.